This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. In her profound work, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, Maya Angelou famously wrote, There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. And personally, I've seen the truth of these words in my own life and community. There's a strange power that the stories that stay locked inside of us have on our lives, and an even greater power and healing impact that sharing our stories can have on the world. Tiffany Mitchell, my podcast guest today, is a perfect example of this idea. Tiffany is a photographer, writer, visual storyteller, and advocate for the power of vulnerability. She started her now well-known Instagram account at a season of her life when she struggled with depression and anxiety, living with chronic pain that confined her to her house for two weeks out of every month between the ages of 19 and 27. She reached her rock bottom when a divorce, a miscarriage, and a death of a loved one left her feeling like she'd lost herself entirely. During this time, she had put down a lot of things in her life that used to give her joy, and it wasn't until she started slowly creating again that she found her voice as well as her own inner healing. Today, Tiffany has fostered a massive social media following while using her platform to share the deepest parts of herself with intention, and ultimately, motivating people to uncover their own creative hearts. This passion of hers has taken her all over the globe and has given a lot of people the hope to begin again. I am Brandon Harvey, and this is Sounds Good. This is the weekly podcast where we have conversations with inspiring people who are rejecting cynicism and using their lives to make an impact. Tiffany is one of my favorite people in the world, and I am so excited for this conversation and can't wait for y'all to listen and learn from her story. Let's dive straight into it. When I look at your Instagram, I see all these travels and adventures. Have you been traveling much recently? Recently, I haven't been traveling as much. I'm toning it down a little bit this year. Yeah, last year, the year before, it was a lot of travel, road trips and and jobs that took me out of the country and stuff like that, which was really amazing. Um, But this year, it's just, it feels like a season of slowing down a little bit. And that's intentional or it's kind of like, oh, it's happening, therefore, that's the season Mm, I'm in? Yeah, I think it it was mostly intentional. Cool. Like it felt like there was a lull in the travel opportunities. And in that lull, I could have probably pushed to get out again. Yeah. But um, I was just like, no, let's just kind of lean back and Does that feel weird almost? Because in many ways... I would imagine at one point you maybe even identified, and I I know I've experienced this where I'm like, oh, I am a traveler. That's who I am. Yeah. And then to be like, oh, wait, no, somebody asked me to travel and I said, no, like, who (laughs) am I? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think for a while it was expected. Like there was a couple years I was gone more than I was home, like more than six months out. And um, I think 
It was amazing. I I was afraid of traveling for so many years of my life that having those opportunities and having overcome that fear, it was like, well, obviously, yes, I'm going to do this as much as I possibly can. Yeah. But like a few years of that, getting it kind of not, I don't want to say getting it out of my system, but doing it and experiencing different cultures and different things and all these beautiful things in other parts of the world, it kind of acclimated me to the concept of, wow, this, you know, the planet is actually pretty small, yeah. you know, like when you get to see how common we are, you know, um, you know, between countries and cultures and all that. And after that, it kind of grew in me this desire for closer community, you know. Yeah. So I think that all the travel made me want to be home, if that makes sense. As beautiful yeah. as it was, it inspired deeper connection between me and the people. I would come home after traveling for a while and you're like out of sync for a little bit. Like, you know, when you're totally. you're gone for a, a while, you come home, you've missed things that happen in people's lives and then you have to ease into that. And I got, that made me sad. You yeah. know, I'm like, man, I don't want to be missing stuff so much. So yeah. that, that's part of why community became way more important. Totally. And we're yeah. almost honestly, we're in one of the best cities in America for travel. Both of us living here in Nashville because everybody's touring all the time. Everybody's on the road playing music. And so it's very understandable to be like, oh, I've been gone for six months on tour. I've been gone six months traveling. Right. Uh, people are very forgiving, but that doesn't change the fact that there's kind of something in our core that craves this deeper connection yeah doing and, life with people yeah and just you know we you can meet amazing people on the road and have s these great experiences but those are kind of these like peak moments and in all reality it's those times where you're not at those peak moments that you need those deeper connections oh yeah totally so maybe we should back up really quick and talk about so this isn't a question I normally ask, but like, how do you describe what you do? Because I feel like you do a lot. You're very creative. You're very multifaceted. Like, what would you put on a business card? Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's a reason I don't have business cards. <laughs> it's because I can't figure out how to answer this question. That's amazing. Um, I, I usually just say I'm a photographer yeah. and a writer. And I focus mainly on Instagram, like storytelling and stuff like that. And then... If there's a follow-up question, <laughs> but what do you mean that I say? Um, it started as an exercise in vulnerability for me. Um, I wasn't always a photographer. I was always interested in it, but I went through a series of things in my life that kind of really tore me down and discouraged me. And I was at rock bottom in terms of feeling like I had no purpose, mm. like I had nothing to offer anyone including myself. And it was there that I felt like I had to choose. It felt like I had given up every creative thing that ever intrigued me. Yeah. You know? Like I used to sketch all the time when I was younger and I used to dream about cooking things. Like I would sneak into the kitchen and use my mom's like measuring cups and stuff. <laughs> and like, it was just boxes of Betty Crocker cake mix, but like, I, I it's something in me was like, wow, I want to do this. And then I got into a marriage too young and felt like this is where my value is. I need to make this work. And then over five years, it just kind of crumbled. And in that period of time, I also had a miscarriage. And in I didn't realize it. But near the end, I was like, I haven't even thought about doing these uh, these things that kind of gave me life and made me feel like I was contributing something to the yeah. world. And How do you think that did you kind of let those go all at once, almost like, okay, I'm going to trade slowly. these for that? Slowly. It was slowly. It felt like this relationship, this duty, this thing that I felt 
would make me worth something did, yeah, just kind of took over. It took my attention. And I just couldn't believe that it was slipping through my fingers after all that I'd invested. And I had no control over the outcome. Like I I really had no control over the outcome and losing a baby, you know, you just, it's not something that you, you know, you can't control that. So it was like, wait, this is so unfair. And I, I saw that I had an opportunity to let my heart get really cold and hard and it could have just destroyed me and turned me into a bitter person that was reclusive and didn't want friends and never created anything ever again, you know, but it was in that moment that I was like, you know what? I'm going to be rescued by this stuff. I'm going to hmm. I'm going to let myself bake something today. Like I'm going to let really? myself I'm going to let myself paint. I'm going to go and Is that post divorce? It was kind of in it's hard to put a time on it because yeah. it was over before it was over yeah. kind of thing. But it was just such this identity crisis and these creative things kept bubbling up and they were so small, you know, it's like it wasn't some big, I'm going to start a business, you know, it was like, I'm going to pick up a spatula and make some cookies, you know. And what did it feel like when you, was was that a small step or was that a big moment? It was a big moment. Wow. Which is, (laughs) isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's funny to think about that. small would be, I remember being nervous. I remember being embarrassed. Hmm. I remember... I remember going to the art store to buy paintbrushes and that little palette of cheap watercolors, you know, (laughs) and like knowing this was something I needed to do, but so embarrassed because no one knew me as a painter and I'd probably be made fun of or like it just wasn't expected that I would do that. Or What what did you feel like you were known for at that time? I mean, I was a few years into this marriage. I, I think I, my family, my close family knew me as a, a person who loved to create things. But when I got married, I ended up moving away from home. And those people kind of, I just never, I just didn't fit. I had lost my identity in this whole process of moving away from home and being in this marriage and and then just trying to be this wife, mom, perfect, put together person who was going to earn a good life without pain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's how I was known, I guess, which is really not, yeah, I don't know what they would have called it. I don't know. I don't know how they would have described <laughs> yeah. me honestly. It might not have been positive. But yeah, I remember in this time of discovering these creative things and feeling like why is it so hard for me to go buy a paintbrush? Why am mm. I so embarrassed to do this? This should be easy. I should I should feel freedom in this moment and I don't. And then it dawned on me like, "Oh my god, I have to do it then. I have to figure this out." And uh, so I started creating more things in my own time. And then I felt like I needed to, the whole thing came to a head with, I need to share that this is what I'm doing. Like, I need to share it. And tell me about that compulsion. Like, what was kind of driving that for you? I think that creating was only half the equation. Connecting was the other half. Hmm. So I felt that built in, like hardwired into who I am was this need to create and a need to be in real relationship, whether it was with friends or a family or whatever. And if I was going to create things but hide them from people, I wasn't really taking the full step that I needed to. So I decided to start sharing on social media. I mean, this is, there's a whole other part of my story regarding the 
virtual, <laughs> the virtual world, like. <laughs> tell me about it. Did I tell you? It's, I, I don't. Oh, I don't know. Tell oh, me. Oh, so. Oh gosh, <laughs> you're, like, okay. you're blushing. Well, I love this, but it's also bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually before I got married. I got really sick. I. I ended up with I had a food intolerance that I did not realize was a food oh, intolerance wow. and so I was really sick for a long time and it got so bad that I had to drop out of school and I couldn't have a normal job and long story short I ended up finding this virtual world called Second Life that oh, it, to my. me I, was, I didn't know anything about this when I I grew up in a family of gamers my dad made video games my mom's graphics designer so like <laughs> I grew up like testing video games my siblings did too we were just kind of you know, so this was our world. Like, I played The Sims all growing up, and I was wow. obsessed with it. But I'm in this kind of depressed state, just had to drop out of school, and I'm on I'm online, and I see this <laughs> ad for this virtual world that looks like The Sims, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to play that. And I went on it, and I thought it was so cool because you could chat with other people, actual yeah. people, whereas The Sims is all, like, automated. Yeah. So I get into this, and I quickly find out that all the content was user-created. So people were designing clothing and selling it to other players that they could customize their character. And I was like, are you kidding me? I could make clothing for my little character and sell it and then cash out and make an income doing this? (laughs) I did that for eight years. No. I did that for eight years. Okay, so you started this what? 20 if you were in uh, must college? Have been 19, 20, 19, 20. Yeah. Yeah. And then what year, like, how old were you when you got married? I was 23 when I got married. Wow. So I was doing that already, but this was like, I was creating things. And I remember having that kind of fear, the same fear about going yeah. and buying the paintbrush, but it was reduced down because it was me hiding behind An a avatar. character whose name was Ellie, <laughs> which Tiff or Ellie, oh that's my. my- <laughs> I that's did, my Instagram That's name. your Instagram yeah, name. Tiff wow. or Ellie. Yeah, people, I, I don't know what people think it is, but that's it. I thought it was like your middle name or Tiff something. Tiff or Ellie, yeah. Um, wow. So I did that for eight years, and through that time, I ended up finding out what my food allergy was. And okay. Fixing it, and I ended up getting better. And once I was better, it was so interesting that my body was healing, and I was, as the rest of my life was falling apart, and by the time... I got to that point that I was just talking about in my marriage where it was ending and I had lost the baby and everything. My second life career had been doing really well and I was also healing physically. So it all came to this point where I was ready physically to step out and maybe do something that wasn't just sitting at the computer all the time, you know, because I am such a, I love people. I love being around people. You're great with people. So as much as I loved, thank you, (laughs) as much as I loved designing things in second life, it wasn't something I could do past that point. Do you, you think know? that it was healthy and helpful at the time that you were in? I feel like it kept my vent open for creating. And, you know, it's just weird because everyone's hiding behind a an avatar, you know. So when somebody tears your work to shreds, it fe- you feel a little bit removed from it. Yeah. Like it's not as personal as maybe someone looking at an Instagram photo and being like, "Ew," you know. Like <laughs> so, it was. I think it was a really cool way for me to keep creating in some form, yeah. though it was all in this other digital world. You would think that after doing that for so long, it might have been easier for me to go and buy a paintbrush. But that was the big 
question in my mind was like, why is this so hard? It yeah. was like I had to admit in real life who I was and who I wanted to be. And admitting that I wanted to bake something or paint something felt so much more vulnerable than going online and just, yeah. you know, hiding behind, man, you know. So so you start creating I, things. Yes. And you start putting them up on social media. Instagram? Is that well, where you're putting it? So, yeah. So when I, I wanted to start sharing the things I was physically in real life creating and it made sense to do it on Facebook because that's where everyone was yeah. at the time. Like everyone was on Facebook, but I was too scared <laughs> to put it on Facebook. So I, I started sharing on Instagram because no one knew about it. And a few of the Second Life people that I had been working with for years knew about it. But um, none of my family, no one that knew me in person. It just felt too scary to let yeah. them know what I was doing. So it became this exercise for me, just, you know, I'm going to post about these cookies I made. I'm going to post about this little painting that I did. And I'm going to write about this fear that I'm dealing with too. Really? So you were like putting words to, mm -hmm. so you're somebody, when I look at your Instagram now, when I read your captions, like you are deeply, like emotionally present and aware. You like you, you've done your work and you are able to articulate like deep things that, that, take a lot of people years of counseling (laughs) and uh i have had years of counseling (laughs) (laughs) um tell me about like the words you were putting out there when you first started out on instagram like what like in hindsight what was it the first things i was sharing i think um it hadn't gotten really deep yet because to me deep at that point felt like admitting that i wanted to bake something (laughs) That was deep to me. And that's important. It was so scary. I remember being so nervous. And like I put it it wasn't like some controversial thing. I'm going to write about politics and like let's hope people don't get mad. You know, it was like I'm going to share this recipe and I'm going to admit that I really liked it. Wow. That felt so vulnerable. It felt so scary. And I wanted to explore it. And once I started, I, I... realized that I was changing. Like I started to be okay trying more things. It grew beyond just being in the kitchen and, you know, painting something on a little canvas. It turned into trying different fashion, like different styles. It, it And then, you know, shortly after that, um, Anthropology saw something that I posted and reposted it. And then I saw this influx of followers and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I remember like, blacking out. I was like standing in my living room and all of a sudden all this notifications start popping up on my phone and I literally got like tunnel vision blacked out like oh no, oh no. Like I was excited but also horrified because my whole thing was I don't know that I want anyone to see this but I feel like I should put it out there. And now all of a sudden a whole bunch of people were going to start seeing stuff and I didn't know what that was going to if it was going to just scare me off, you know. So um the really cool thing that happened after that, though, was I started getting a lot of messages from people saying, oh, my God, I've been so afraid to do X, Y, Z, and it seems so small and so stupid. Thank you for sharing that that was a big deal for you, too. Mm. Like, I had a girl write to me and say that she'd always wanted to wear bell bottoms, but she was too embarrassed because it was not a style that she'd ever tried before, and she was going to go get bell bottoms. And I had someone write to me and say... I just went out and bought a paintbrush and I had a panic attack standing in line at the cash register 
because it was something that I had wanted to do for so long, but no one in my life knows me as an artist. And I was just going to make this step, and it was a big deal, buying this $2.99 paintbrush, you know. It made me realize that there was something so much bigger to do with all this. My little exercise continued to be that, but I was connecting with other people in this deeper way, and I never expected it. I really didn't. All those people coming forward and sharing that, and it's got to feel amazing to not feel like you're alone in that. Oh, my God. I mean, that was the whole thing. Like, what's the power behind taking these steps towards doing something that's a little bit creative or a little bit, you know, outside of your comfort zone, but but core to who you are, especially in the context of, you know, losing a marriage and a baby, you know, why was that so important, do you think? I think it was because I did know who I was. And when you create something, it's like this this other language that you can't really... Sometimes you can put words to it, you know, if you're a songwriter or something like that. But the act of creating, it's like pulling something from your core. It's like you bypass all the junk that might be covering up your true self and putting that out in the world for someone to hear or see or feel just lights you up. It connects you to yourself. I I really do believe it's admitting who you really are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when you do that, when you admit who you really are in some way, whether it's putting a brushstroke or whatever, it becomes real. It becomes tangible. It becomes something that you've allowed other people to experience. And that is inspiring. That will inspire other people to do the same. You know, that's just how it works. It's magic. It's like <laughs> it really is. Like I saw it. I, I watched it happen. And That's why I think it's important to not just create but to share because that's only one part of that equation. If you just create something, that's beautiful and that's wonderful. You've admitted it to yourself. But when you admit it to other people, you're allowing this inspiration to come alive and it spreads. Like it's it's an actual thing. Like it's a real thing. So that's why social media, I think, you know, as as horrible as a reputation it can have – can also be this most beautiful thing, you know, where people all over the world, we, we, we can actually admit ourselves in this huge way and connect with people that we might have never understood or felt so alienated from. And then all of a sudden, the I'm not alone thing isn't just you and a couple people. It's you and thousands, millions. And all know? of those people are individual people who, you know, they're having that connection maybe for the first time yep and they have their own precious story with their own details that you know like a lot of I mean I think the the biggest message that I get is that people don't think they matter they want they feel like they need to blend into this mass in some way and that they're they don't think that their little tiny moment is worth anything And that was how my Instagram started, was admitting that this tiny moment actually meant something. And I didn't need to prove that to anybody. I needed to prove it to myself, (laughs) you know. And then it was like it it gives other people the freedom to say, well, well, yeah, my moment meant something too. That meant a lot, actually, when that that flower grew up out in in my backyard and I was like, wow, and it made me so (laughs) excited. Something so little, you know. And um, that wasn't the end. By any means, you know, for me, it was it was 
this is an ongoing process. So depth for me in the beginning sharing on my Instagram was admitting these little things. And it it grew to like my courage grew to the place where if we fast forward to right now where I'm I'm processing these deeper things like what is imagination? You know, what is vulnerability? Why are these things difficult? How, you know, like I'm able to process these things and then write about them and and post them without having a massive panic attack (laughs) because of the practice. You know, it has been a practice and vulnerability for all the years I've been doing it. That's amazing. And I see that for sure. Like I think about like you and I got drinks the other day Mm -hmm. and you were like, Brandon, what's going on with you? And I, I shared what was going on in my life. And then you're like, Brandon, here's what's going on with me. And you shared what was going on with your life with with a lot of vulnerability and realness. And I'm very honored that you were able to do that. And then you <laughs> – like I thought that I had shared everything. But your step of like vulnerability, I was like, oh, I'm, I've got more to say. Like I've got more to like let out. And it's – there's something powerful and special about that. And even just like – You almost get to ride that high after hanging out with somebody who does that or reading from somebody who does that or learning from somebody who does that because I'm like, oh, well, what else can I be vulnerable about in my everyday life? And it's this cyclical thing. Mm -hmm. It's it's wild. I mean, we all have those things. Yeah, like when someone's sharing, if you thought you shared everything and someone says something, you get to be more honest with yourself. You get to say – you know, I have been thinking about that too. I've been feeling this. And then you go lower and lower and lower, as low as you're comfortable. You know, and I think some people, um, I think for some people it's really difficult to get deep like that. And that's okay because it really it really does take practice. And for other people, maybe it's just natural. Like yeah. there's friends that I'll run into and I'll be like, how you doing? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, fine. You know, and then just move on. Other friends I'll run into, how you doing? Yeah, having uh, having issues with conflict resolution. Like really struggling to figure this out. Like what? And you'll you'll just go right into it. And there's a place for all of it. Yeah. You know, totally. But I love when people just find that freedom and that that safe space. Yeah. To say the things that they're really thinking and feeling and know that there's a place for it and that it matters. I almost feel like in many ways it takes not just like a safe space, like you and me one on one, Mm -hmm. but a safe space in your life. You know, when you're dealing with a lot of conflict or if you're if, if you don't have a lot of security in your day-to-day life or even if you just don't have somebody who's emotionally supporting you consistently it, it can be really hard to put yourself out there because it, it rocks the boat mm-hmm. and there's always that fear of mm-hmm. rejection and yeah I feel like the rejection happens way less often than we fear that it will but I think it's a testament in many ways to the people around you like tell me about so maybe like you know post divorce post instagram uh you're already sharing things post abercrombie or was that who, who was who shared uh, anthro oh. anthropology did. <laughs> post anthropology you know who are the people in your life like what's what's going on support system wise and that was kind of what we talked about at the beginning of the show too with you know, traveling and relationships. Like, who who's in your life at this point? So at that point, it was um, my sister was basically my best friend. She wow. had, she had been living with me, and um, I really didn't have a community, like a a true community beyond that. I had friends. This is this is when I lived in Kentucky, and I had friends, but 
I was on this other track. I had been so isolated for so long because of my health and all that stuff. And I was brand new stepping out into the world saying, I want community. I want creativity. I want vulnerability. I want, you know, all these things. It's a very abrupt kind of shift. And so for the people in my life, it wasn't like a, oh, yeah, we're right there with you. It was just (laughs) kind of like, you know. So at that point, I had had connected – on Instagram with people from Nashville who welcomed me here because it was so close. It was only a three-hour drive. And I started visiting, and that was where – so it was the Instagram connection where we were admitting to each other, this is where I'm at, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I'm going through, and I found a community here very quickly. So I started visiting Nashville from Kentucky a few times a month. I was down here. Yeah. So I visited down for about a year before I decided to move. Um, but I had met, that's when I met Kappel, who was a filmmaker. He had reached out to me on email because he saw my Instagram and he was like, oh my gosh, I would love to work with you and do video stuff for you. And so we sat down to have a meeting at Pinewood and just talked about what my vision was. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Basically what I'm telling you now, but like three years ago, four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he's like, yes, we need to do this. And we started working together, and then we started dating. And I just, and as you walked into the studio, <laughs> there's a Polaroid of yeah. you and Kappel at yeah. the entrance. Sitting at Weld, yeah. That's so funny. He loved Weld. He was obsessed with Weld. Man. Um, That's probably how I met you both initially. Yes, I'm pretty sure it was. That's so crazy. So, how, it's crazy how long ago that was. I know. So, so you guys started dating. We started dating, and... This was when travel really picked up because yeah. he was like travel adventure dude um, with his camera and his drones and his all, yeah. all this kind of gear. His work was so good. He was so talented. And so we were we were working on a few projects together and I was getting a lot of travel jobs and we would always do this stuff. So our relationship became a public thing yeah. on Instagram. Which is, which is complicated and complex. It was, yeah, we didn't, it, it wasn't like we went into, de- definitely didn't go into detail about yeah. our, you know, like it felt like that needed to be kept. Totally. Um, but for the, for the most part, people, ob- it was obvious that we were together. Yeah. You know, it was obvious because we were traveling and doing all these things. And so that was um, about two years, almost two years. And then he he passed away in a motorcycle accident on May 16th, 2016. And that was, I think, at that point in my life, I had, after going through the situation with my divorce and all that, and discovering a community of people that I could heal with, I think some part of me believed that the worst was behind me. And that... As messy as life just is, and there were a lot of things that I was very confused about in myself as I was learning and growing on this journey, I just never expected a tragedy like that, and I don't think anyone does. But I remember when it happened, Just it's just not something you could ever be prepared for. It's not something that um, you can predict how you're going to handle and I just shut down. Like I just, my, I, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I had, I, I literally could just like open my eyes and see the people coming up for me, showing up at my house, bringing flowers, bringing food, sitting with me, staying up all night with me, crying with me, 
you know, just just being there. And I experienced the value of that kind of a community where I couldn't offer them anything, but that didn't matter. That wasn't the point, you know. Um, and then it was just a couple weeks later that this old thing that I had I had learned years earlier with the little paintbrush that I bought was the most healing the most healing moments for me were that tiny, you know, like sitting in my yard and the sun comes up and I can feel it and I hadn't slept and it, it was it, it's miserable not sleeping, not being able to eat. You, you're actually become scared for your own health. It's like, when is the, when is my body going to start wanting to function again? You know, there were so many questions that I had <laughs> about everything. And there was this moment I'm sitting in my yard, the sun comes up, I feel it on my face and I'm like, everything's going to be okay. I just knew you know, and it was old and sweet and familiar because this was what I had already, I had already learned this, you know, but it was still true even in this extremely dark and painful place. And I didn't, it it was like, there was no end in sight. I didn't know when it was going to, I didn't know when I was going to feel better at all, but it was, it was tiny things like that in the community that came through for me. And I, I felt this new kind of courage that said, okay, so maybe even though I'm figuring out what it takes to heal, that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna experience more extreme pain, possibly more tragedy, more loss, you know, there's not a guarantee that life is going to be without pain. You can't perform in any way to earn a life without pain. And it made me wonder, maybe the point is not to avoid pain. Maybe the point is to know these things, these little magical, precious healing things so well that no matter what happens, I won't be afraid of it. Like you can hurt and not be afraid. And I think that's what I was learning that like the fear that's attached to pain, the fear of failure, the fear of it defining you, the fear of it breaking you in a way that you won't be able to recover some part of yourself, like that fear, I wonder if that's the hardest thing about feeling pain. But if we could become indestructible and understand that actually we are indestructible and those little precious things like creating and connecting with community are the reminders of like, hey, you're indestructible. You're going to be okay. You will. It's going to hurt so bad, but you're going to be okay because of this, this, and this, you know? That was what I learned. And the less, it was like the the more things that I walked through in that journey of grieving, it was long and slow and it's ongoing. Yeah. Like I'm, I don't know when you ever really fully stop grieving a loss like that. And there's so many complications to it. There's so many, but it's like that journey. I'm less afraid now than I ever was. And you, you, you'd maybe guess like before I'd ever gone through something like that, I would guess that once something like that happens, someone may live in fear for the rest of their life that it might happen again. But I haven't experienced that, Hmm. you know? I've seen light in a really, really, really dark moment. Maybe the darkest moment I'll ever walk through. Maybe not. But seeing that and experiencing those same simple little things that got me through a much less tragic situation get me through that tragic situation 
felt like freedom to me. Like, oh, this is real. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's where I am today with this, with the sharing and the, it, it, like I've become <laughs> my, like my passion for sharing on Instagram is this, like, this is what I'm trying to say. You're trying to give people a peek into those moments. Yeah. As wow. best I can. Uh, but I know that my best peak isn't, isn't <laughs> you know, it's never going to really be everything for someone else that it is to me in, yeah. in my life, obviously. But I want to do my best. Yeah, it's it's almost giving people a hint that when they have that experience, they'll find their own. If they ever have it. And and not just to the not just to the people in those big tragedies you know it's the little stuff matters too losing yeah. a job you know losing a job or just having your heart broken getting dumped you know like anything that causes pain anything that causes any kind of pain on any level is an opportunity to know who you are better to pull up those magical things out from the core of who you are to create something to share it with someone to practice vulnerability that is what will get you through anything like, I really believe that. I really, really believe that. And every pain, like every great pain that somebody experiences, you know, it, it it's the greatest pain you felt up to that point. Mm-hmm. You know, when you were, you know, coming out of a out of a marriage and a miscarriage, that's the greatest pain you'd ever felt. And even though you would experience a greater pain years down the road, that doesn't mean that that first pain wasn't the worst thing you've ever experienced. Exactly. And we can't compare either, you know, like I, I would get messages from people saying, I'm so sorry, like I'm, I, I'm going through a breakup and I know it's nothing like, and they would do all these mm-hmm. disclaimers, like, I know this isn't as bad as what you're going through. Please don't take it that way. And I'm, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, no, like, I'm not going to compare my heartbreak to your heartbreak. Yours is real. That's yeah. valid. You are experiencing a very painful thing right now. And that's why we can relate. It doesn't matter that you haven't lost someone in a tragic accident. You know, like what matters is that you're hurting. What matters is that you've chosen to share that with me. Like that is an act of healing. That is an act of vulnerability. On something you said earlier, you talked about how in your marriage you could almost feel your heart becoming cold. And then later you even brought up, you know, this idea that maybe pain isn't something we should avoid um, or hide from. And I think some of these great tragedies – it's possible that you could say, I'm going to shut myself off from feeling this pain. You know, some tragedies I think are too great to do that with perhaps, but with so many of these things, you know, you could totally block it out. But I think, I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You probably also block out those moments of light in those. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do believe that, that we are whole people I don't think that we are I, – I think the process of life could bury your whole self. I don't think we're fragmented. I don't think there are missing parts. I think that we are whole and beautiful and pain can kind of cake on these layers and hide things and numb things and dull things down. And our choice is to hack away at that, whether that means doing these little exercises and vulnerability and and creating things and or if that means going to therapy to 
get help digging down to that core if you want to do it more quickly. I'm a, I'm an impatient person <laughs> when it comes to healing and knowing myself. So I absolutely, I've been in therapy for more than three years and I, I'm, I do not see myself stopping <laughs> just because I love it. I love the process of unburying myself. Yeah. Um, and I'm somebody then, who naturally avoids pain and I started going to counseling and I was like, this is so good yeah, for me and yeah. I hate it. My, my therapist, he told me, he said, Brandon, when you came in that first time, I thought there's no way in hell you're uh-huh. ever coming back. Like there's no <laughs> way that you're coming back to pay me to <laughs> dig into your pain. Yeah. Uh, and I just, you know, <laughs> yeah. proved I mean, him wrong. But yeah. That's beautiful because so funny. looking it in the looking your pain in the face is the first step, you know? Yeah. But uh I think sometimes when a tragedy happens or um anything really, really difficult. It's kind of like you get to choose. Can this be a shortcut that blasts away a whole lot of this stuff that's been covering up my heart? Or can it just pile on 10 times more on top of my heart? I find that these kinds of hardships offer that fork in the road. Like we can kill a lot of birds with one stone right now. In one way or the other, you know, we can get down to the core of who you are in a, in a more beautiful and powerful way, or we can bury you, like suffocate you a lot. And I found because of the community that surrounded me and because of the exercise that I'd, that I'd already been doing, the choice seemed clear. I'm going to let this blow away, whatever it will. And so many lessons were learned in such a short period of time and you know I just it it was just a daily commitment to make that choice choose vulnerability choose creativity I believe that we were designed for these things I believe that we were designed to connect and to create I think that's why this is such a magical thing I think it's why it's so healing that it's it's it could be a shortcut to know to knowing yourself I, I think it really shows that you have chosen to take those shortcuts time after time and you know in those you know great tragedies but also the little ones that have come since then and it almost makes me wonder is there ever a time to choose the not shortcut I think so for for example the there was a job that I had signed a contract on when Kapil passed away like he and I had both signed this contract and it was uh, with a cruise line, and we were supposed to go and do this whole video overseas, and it was a huge, huge project. He passed away right before we were supposed to go, and I got on the phone with the client, and they were so sorry for what happened, and they told me that obviously I was released from the contract, um, but that if I did still want to do the project or thought that I could— they would love to have me. Wow. So then I'm sitting and I've got this crossroads and I I could go and I could figure out a way to do that and all that that meant in this stage of grief and having to learn how to make a video because that was Kapil's thing. Or I could have stayed home and grieved at home. And I think I think the good thing maybe to remember is that there's no wrong answer. Mm-hmm. There's no right way to grieve. There's no wrong way to grieve. I mean, obviously, unless you are just all out hurting yourself, like, b- 
being destructive with yourself. Um, but that crossroads for me, like it seemed like the the more difficult course would be to go and do that project. The simpler, easier, still very painful course would have been to stay home. I saw the the more difficult path as the shortcut. Yeah. You know, I saw that as like, you know what? Not only am I going to get out and start working again. This puts a timeline on that. I'm going to get out and start working again. I'm also going to be going and doing something that I was supposed to do with him. I'm also going to learn something new. I'm going to learn how to make videos. So that's what, like, let's kill multiple birds with one stone. I'm going to go and I'm going to. So that was the shortcut. But to stay home would not have been wrong. It would not have. So, yes, I do believe that there is a time to choose the less difficult path, maybe not the shortcut. But once I made that choice, it kind of set the tone for me for the rest of the journey. I was like, I, I, I learned so much and experienced so much by choosing that that I don't think I want to choose the not shortcut, you know. So I, that was just me though. That's and good. I, yeah. For people who are, you know, they are experiencing something right now, and you know, this is coming at a at a perfect time. Or even for people who are listening, and you know, they're hoping that that pain isn't going to strike their lives, but they kind of know inevitably something's going to happen. You know, what kind of advice would you offer? You know, what's what's something tangible and practical people can, you know, step into to to bring a little bit more creativity and community and vulnerability into their lives? The first thing I would say is it matters. What you're feeling, what you're going through, it matters a lot. Every feeling that you're having is valid, all of it. The practicals, I would say to practice vulnerability and admit to yourself what you love. As small as it may seem, admit something and do it. Admit something to yourself about what you love and do it. Create it. Practice vulnerability. Share with a friend. Or if there's not someone that you feel safe with, write about it. Maybe post it on social media somewhere anonymously. Just put it out there. Just the act of doing that is so healing. And if it's something that's really serious that you've been struggling with for a long time, I, I'm 100% I advocate for therapy. Like I absolutely think that finding a therapist that's good is one of the biggest steps that I took on this journey. It's, it does not mean that you're weak or stupid or wrong to say help help me with this. I need help carrying this. It's too heavy. We're not trained professionally (laughs) to understand how our minds work and the subconscious and all these things. They are, it's good to delegate. It's, it's an act of self-care. It's an act of courage. That, that is absolutely the advice that I would give. Wow. Tiffany is, (laughs) she's such an incredible human being. I truly admire her courage and her willingness to admit what she's about. It takes a lot of radical transparency. I believe that her voice of healing and compassion and empowerment is one that we need to be listening to. Maybe now more than ever in our world of multifaceted global social media feeds. My hope is that you and I genuinely take Tiffany's story of exploration, vulnerability, grief, and empathy to heart. Finally seeing the act of creating something as a move toward inner healing. And I know that actually since I had this conversation with Tiffany, I've been thinking about 
the things that I like to do, the things that I like to create a little bit differently. And it's brought a little bit more healing and hope and joy to my life. And so go out, create something, tap into that part of you that maybe you've neglected for a little bit. And then tweet or Instagram Tiffany and I and and tell us how it goes because it's something special. You can find Tiffany Mitchell on Instagram. And like we mentioned earlier, her handle is at Tiff or Ellie. Also check out her past and upcoming projects as a world traveling photographer and writer at Tifforelli.com. If you're new to Sounds Good, we would love for you to stick around. You'd also love my conversation with singer-songwriter Kelly Haddock and founder of Improv Everywhere, Charlie Todd, both of whom know a lot about finding joy and creativity in the midst of pain. You can find both of these episodes and more than 100 other episodes by searching Sounds Good wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was created by me, Brandon Harvey, as a part of Good, 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 a community that believes in the power of celebrating good news and becoming good news. Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio edit and mix the show, and Christy Karenbrock offers production support. You can get lots of hopeful stories on social media by following us everywhere at goodgoodgoodco. And you can find out more about what we do here at Good 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 by visiting goodgoodgood.co. There you can check out our good newsletter where we send hopeful news stories every single Tuesday. We call it Tuesday Good News Day, straight to your inbox. And you can also check out our shop where you can order the good newspaper, good news apparel, and, you know, some other fun stuff. Check it all out at goodgoodgood.co. And on that note, that is a wrap for this week's episode. Go out and create something. Bypass all the junk that covers up your true self and start admitting to the world who you really are. Sound good? Sound good.